gassed in our tanks for all week long. Uh, we're going to have a great weekend uh, coming up Sunday. It's uh, looking forward to a, a good time. I'm uh, looking forward to Sunday. Uh, all right, Acts chapter 18. And uh, we're going to be going from verse uh, 5 to 11. And the message tonight is about the uh, unseen, ongoing work of God. The unseen, ongoing work of God. God's work is unseen, most of it. You and I don't really see much of it. We get to see a little bit of it because we're so small and we're so insignificant as to the uh, drop in a bucket compared to the world uh, that we don't really get to see uh, all that God is doing. Most of almost everything that God is doing to us is not being seen and it's ongoing uh, while we uh, conduct our lives. And this is a great thought tonight. It's a very powerful thing for you and I to think that God's at work, but you and I, we just have to trust him that we have our part in it, but we don't get to see it all because it's not all finished yet. Have you ever heard the, um, the illustration about the uh, grandmother who was doing cross-stitching and embroidering on a big circle? I don't know what those are called, but... Uh, they stretch the uh, pattern out and they're uh, embroidering on this big, looks like the top of a drum. And uh, boy, they can really get into it with all kinds of colors and everything. And this little girl, she was looking up, uh, laying on the floor. She looked up to the bottom. She saw the bottom of the ring and all the, all the uh, threads coming off. All the threads, nasty threads. They didn't have a picture. They didn't have a pattern. It was all just a blob. And she said, Grandma, that doesn't look very nice. She said, oh, you're looking at the wrong end. When you finally get to see the top of it, and then it's all orderly and it's a good picture. That's how God is with us. We, we uh, seem to think that we're supposed to understand everything, and it's not true. We're supposed to see everything. That's not true. We, we can't know everything. That's for sure true. We barely can hang on to what God's doing in our own life. But God's got a tapestry. He's got a big woven garment that he's making. It's the picture. He's, he's, uh, he's painting a picture. And he's at work. He's at work. Let's look at Acts chapter number 18. And uh, tonight, you have to remember now that the Apostle Paul was not unlike you and I. God was doing something before the Apostle Paul got saved. Before he went on his missionary journeys... God was at work before he got there. That's what's so marvelous about the work of God. All right, let's look now at uh, chapter number uh, 18, and uh, we'll start with verse number 5. Uh, let's pray, and let's uh, hold our place and pray. Father, thank you for this time together, and we ask God that you'll bless us and help us to trust you that all around us things are going on, and yet we can't see everything and can't know everything. We certainly can't comprehend it. But we have to trust you, Lord, and it's a wonderful feeling that you're at work and uh, you're going to have us as a part of it. And we pray that you'll reveal it to us in the time appointed. But help us to trust you to do our part in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 5. So Paul and Silas, now they're on a journey. And uh, it says in verse 5, And 
when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So you can see how God was moving. Now, do you know who already was setting his ministry up to the Gentiles? God was. God was getting all this arranged. And he never even knew it. Verse 7 says, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And then it says, Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So this is quite a little revival going on. You win the chief uh, ruler of the synagogue that's a big big thing to do and uh, you're staying in the house now right next to the synagogue in Christmas or excuse me justice house and then you win you he won Christmas to the Lord and his house and then he baptized him this is big now watch what happens here and you'll see this and this is this is not just for Paul this is for you and I too tonight then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. And he says, quote, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Notice the phrase then, I have much people in this city. Now this is the uh, book of Acts, of course. And uh, it relates to us, his travels. But where in the world did God get those people that he had already? I take it that there were already people that believed in Jesus in Corinth. I have much people in this city. That's an interesting statement. I do know this, that God was telling him, I'm, I'm going before you. I'm going ahead of you. I, uh, I have something for you. And I don't want you to be scared I don't want you to fear, and I don't want you to think you're going to get hurt. Uh, by the way, Paul was very, very injured and beat up, and he, he was, most of what he said in 2 Corinthians, where he explained all the things that he'd been through, most of that, all, all that had happened as he relates to it before that final trip when he was shipwrecked again in Acts 28, and then he was put in prison later on, so his, his trials weren't over, but God said, I have much people in this city. I like that because that tells us from the Bible then that we can't possibly comprehend what God's doing. We don't have to understand everything. It's, un, it's impossible that we would right now. We will know all things at one time. He will give us that opening of our heart and mind and soul and our mental capacity will be increased. And we're going to know what God wants us to know but right now we hardly know anything we 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 can't see what's going on outside of our walls of our life um, Paul was in Corinth but God got there first God goes before them uh, Jesus said when he putteth forth his own sheep he goeth before them and he he calls them he knows them by name 
God prepares our way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. My goodness, I was thinking just uh, yesterday or the day before how that when I got saved, I had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, think about your life. You don't really know what's going to happen after that. But God really turned on the blessing valve and just dumped so many blessings on our lives after we got saved. And yet we didn't see any of it. We didn't know it was coming. Uh, God picks us up and he, uh, he carries us through life. And it's a wonderful thing to know that he's doing so much that we can't see. We have to trust him. Um, look at Isaiah for a minute. If you will turn back there, Isaiah. And there's a wonderful portion of scripture here in chapter 55. God explains it in starting with verse number 3, then through 11. It says, Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I've given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not. And nations that knew thee not, or knew not thee, shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now watch. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Isn't that a wonderful, powerful statement that God, when he says something, he means it, and it's going to come true, and you just have to wait for it. You know, I'm seeing right now in society how that the, a lot of scriptures come to my mind. The name of the wicked shall rot. Uh, God will take revenge in his own time. Uh, uh, don't worry about the perversion of judgment. Don't worry about things when, when high, high uh, uh, powerful people make really bad choices. Don't worry about that. Uh, I've got this under control. I'm working my will in the society and the world. And I, it's wonderful just to trust God and let it, and let it go. Um, who, knows, who knows the intricate workings of our own body? Nobody, uh, nobody does. It's the most miraculous thing. And yet you get up and you go every day and you go to sleep and you get up and you don't even know how it all works. Uh, there's some fascinating things about the human body, but while you're sleeping, your Lord is working. He's keeping you. He's keeping you in the palm of his hand. He's got your soul completely sealed and, and, and ready for the day in which he will call you home. He might call us all at the same time. 
But I know this, that the word of God is true, even if people don't believe it. The word of God, when God says something's going to take place, it will. Amen. And I don't have to be around to have it take place. Um, I'm only, I'm a very young man, very young man. I'm only 64, or 63, 63. I'm rounding up. <laughs> but I don't even care about how old I am. It doesn't matter to me one bit. I don't care. It doesn't matter at all. I'm just glad I'm saved. But, you know, my little pipsqueak life uh, is a, just a blip, a little spark, and it's just a little twinkle in the heavens, you know, pip, and that's about, you know, my, what is your life? It's even a vapor. It appears for a short while and then vanishes away. It's just so short. And, uh, you know, we're just not as big as we think we are. We're not, we're not as important in some ways that, that we think we might be. And uh, I, I, just, I just thank God that he, he doesn't consult me. He doesn't get my permission. He doesn't get my opinions on things. He just wants to hear my heart. But aren't you glad you're not running the country? Yes. I wish I was for a little while, but I'd, uh, I'd have a Bible study every day on national television. Anyway, uh, I don't know what it would do. I, I, there's no way in the world I'm ever going to be president. But I sure have the heart that I want God's way in our, in our country. I want God to have his way. And because he's not doing it as soon as I want him to, I can't get upset with that. He's, he's, he's got it under control. His word goes out of his mouth like the rain and the snow comes down and waters the earth. And guess what's going to happen in the spring? Right now, all the fields are just mud if they're drained off yet. But in the spring, they're going to plow and they're going to plant. And guess what's going to happen? There's going to be another crop. Some say the flood's actually good. It switches the dirt around. And when they plow, they, they I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I just know this. God's, God hadn't forsaken us. And he's still there. But he's doing something that we can't see. Look, um, look with me back in 1 Kings. Way back in the Old Testament there. 1 Kings. All right, 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to take a little short look at Elijah. And I want you to see this now. Verse 15 through 18. Elijah at one time was under a juniper tree. And at, at one time he was so distraught. He had just done battle with uh, Jezebel and Ahab. Oh my goodness, talk about evil. And then God had him, uh, he was sustained with... Uh, meat and uh for 40 days he had he was an athlete too he was a, he was a runner poor poor uh, elijah he was just he wanted to give up he said i, I can't take this anymore just take me home lord I, i'm ready to go and you know that's that you can get that way but i want you to see this he thought he was the only one left he thought he was alone many times you and i feel like we're alone but we're not. Look at verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, 
shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. So God was uh, setting things up, right? Watch this. This is great. And it shall come to pass, verse 17, that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to, unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. According to the Bible, in that uh, area, there were 7,000 what I would call believers. You can call whatever you want, but God reserved them. He said, I've left 7,000 in Israel. They're not idolaters. They haven't kissed Baal. They, they, they have not. Um, their knees have not been, uh, been down to an idol. That was big in the, in the days of Baal worship because even Ahab and Jezebel were Baal worshipers. There was a huge pressure to be a Baal worshiper. So now we have God showing us that without knowing it, Elijah, who was ready to die, he was depressed, he was dejected, he was done. He was absolutely wore out. He had no more strength. He even asked God, please, just take me home. It is enough. Now, at that point in time, without him knowing it, there was 7,000 in Israel that were on his side. And God, God uh, by the way, he gave him a pretty good ride to heaven, didn't he? I think it's pretty neat. Some Bible critic one day, she said to me, you said Elijah went up in a fiery chariot. And the Bible doesn't say that. She was really a smart mouth. And I said, I know, I know. I, the Bible doesn't say they opened the door and he got up in the chariot and they took him up in a fiery chariot. Yeah, that's right. He went up in a whirlwind. I said, oh, brother. God help me. Is it okay if I think that he went up in a fiery chariot? I think it's perfectly okay. Why would God send an empty chariot down and have it come back empty? Anyway, I think he went up in a whirlwind, and I think there was a fiery chariot there. You, you be the judge whether or not he got in. <laughs> I think he got in. But aren't you glad God said, uh, Elijah, no, you're not alone. I, I'm 7,000 in this city. He says, Paul, no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. I have much people in this city. God's got a whole work that's going on that you and I don't even know about. And one day he's going to reveal it to us. It's exciting. Now, look at Matthew 13 for a minute. Back to the New Testament, please. Matthew 13. So I look at, I look at the day that we live in. And I think, well, this is, this is exciting because, you know, God's doing something. I don't even know he's, what he's doing. I, he's working out a plan, and I don't even see it. I mean, I think I see some of it. By the way, uh, you and I as Christians, we can get a little spiritual sight. We can see a little bit. I mean, you can have some good understanding, spiritual understanding. The more you uh, spend time in the Bible, the more... Um, the more you get above the circumstances of life and you get, to, you get to look and see clearly because you're looking at it through the lens of the Bible. 
And you're not looking at it through the lens of an unsaved person or a covetous person or a, a person deep in sin, but you're looking at life through God's point of view. And that's what the Bible's for. He gives us a vision of, of how, but you don't know everything. And that's, that's, that's hard sometimes. That's what causes us to, you know, the Bible says, hope deferred, make it the heart sick. Have you ever been sick of waiting for something, heart sick inside? And just waiting and waiting and waiting. Hope, oh, I hope and hope, and it's deferred. Somebody says, uh, uh, well, just wait one more week. <laughs> okay. And then you run out of gas, don't you? If somebody keeps moving the goalpost of, of something that you're hoping for, it's hard on us. And it says that the hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. Praise God. I like the language that he used. Let's go over to verse 24, chapter 13. Now, Jesus said, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, Here's what he said. The kingdom of heaven, in verse 24, is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Uh, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? So the servants knew what the tares looked like because they were, they were farmers. They knew the difference, see? They knew what wheat looked like, and they could make a determination that, uh-oh, we have some tares here. And so they look alike sometimes, but people that are dealing with it, they, they can know the difference. But as, as we say, something is going on that nobody knew about, and God is going to work. Look at verse 28 through 30. He said unto them, this is, this is the master, the, the, the head of the household, he said, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Do you realize that that's what's going on in this world today? Right next door, you could have the most evil person in the whole wide world living right next door to you. Down at the job, you could have the most wicked, ungodly person standing right next to you. And it does happen. And we are in an evil world. But why hasn't God taken us out of here? Because he's doing something that we can't see. He's working a work that we can't see. We don't know about it. That's why we get upset sometimes. But we shouldn't. Look at verse 30. Here's what... Jesus said, the householder said, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say unto the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. You know, that is a picture, a parable of what's going on in the world today. So uh, right behind us, we don't know what's going on. Below us, we have no idea what's going on. 
too far to the right, left, and front. We can only see so far. We don't know what's going on. God's doing a work, though, and we don't have to know. We don't have to understand everything that God does. You know, I did not know as a newly saved Christian, a brand new child of God, that there was a good church in my future. Think about this. I got saved when I was in my bedroom a long time ago as a teenager. I didn't even know that there was a church out there somewhere that God was going to let me grow and, and, and thrive in. I had no idea the plan that God had. But was he working on it? Was he? He was working already. And when I asked him to be my savior, he said, oh, I've got a plan for you. And he put you in his plan. And he put me in his plan. I didn't know that I was going to be a member of Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I didn't know I was going to grow like I did. It was just been unbelievably wonderful that he had a plan. I didn't know about the, uh, the part Baptist churches played in securing our own liberties and freedoms. I had no idea that God, he was working a plan before we ever became a nation. He was working a plan before you got saved. He was working out things before you ever heard his name, uh, before you ever accepted him as your savior. Uh, before you got married, he was working a plan out. And uh, you uh, were, were uh, allowed by the grace of God to fit into that uh, by your relationship with God. And boy, I'll tell you what, when you get down to pray, Lord, have your will in my life, that's a big prayer. And when you mean it, he's got a will for you. He's got something exciting. But he's all working, unseen, unknown to us while we're living. I, I wonder what God has for all of us uh, next week. The week after that. You say, should you be excited about that? Yeah, you will. You really should. I had never seen in my life over 2,000 people in one church, all praising God, singing out of old-fashioned hymn books and preaching out of an old-fashioned Bible and saying amen and hallelujah. I mean the real kind, you know. Not this, oh, you know, you know, where they get to speak. They think they're speaking in tongues. It's not tongues. They don't know what they're saying. That's the, you know, when, when God said, you know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to show you a bunch of people. You don't even know what I've got planned for you. I'm going to put you in a couple of good churches, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to put you in and give you some good preaching and, and get you into the Bible and get you grounded. Uh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. I'm so glad the Lord had a plan for us. And when I when I walked into that church, uh, the first time I ever saw about 2,000 people, all with the same heart, you know, and shouting amen and be just listening to the preaching of the Bible and good music and uh, being exhorted and, and, and spurred to do good things and to work hard for Jesus and People called, I'll never forget seeing people called into the ministry and called to preach and uh, uh, coming up to the altar and praying and these kind of things. They just really did something in my heart. God, is, he's working right now. Uh, he's working in your life, not that you can see it all, but he's working. Paul, uh, let's go back to Acts. I want to show you what happened there. In the book of Acts, chapter uh, number 18 there. Let's go back there. 
Paul was in Corinth, and God told him, I've got much people in this city. No man's going to hurt you. Uh, I've got a plan for your life. He, he, no man will set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people. Now watch verse 12. Uh, or, or excuse me, um, verse 11 is where I wanted to go. And he, Paul, he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Paul stayed there for a year and a half in one spot. Most of the time when he stayed that long somewhere, he was in jail. But he stayed there and taught among the people for a year and a half. This shows us that God got a hold of him and put him to work in his overall plan for mankind. And as I said many times, he gave us a wonderful Bible. And Paul, who did not know that he was going to write the Bible has a part in it, 13 to 14 books of the New Testament. Have you ever thought maybe what God's doing with you has a bigger impact than you realize? I know this is a little worldly. Uh, please forgive me, but I love the movie uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's kind of fun to watch that because it's not true, but the, the angel comes down and tells him that, well, here's what it would look like without you. And they painted uh, such a horrible picture. And that's exactly true. The, the thought is true. Without you, and without what God's doing with you, you'd be so surprised what this world would be like if you weren't here. Or had you never been here. So God's even doing something with each and every one of us that we don't realize. I saw a picture on my phone the other day of, of unseen things that was revealed um, in fact, Brother, Brother Tim, Paul sent, did you get the, the little picture of him uh, teaching and preaching among, uh, there was a railroad track? I, I got it on my phone, it's an email, if you haven't seen it. But Brother Dio, uh, Paul Dio in the Philippines, he, uh, he sent a little picture. Now, think about this. He's in uh, purposely a very, very, very poor, abject poverty place on purpose and there was a stretch of railroad track uh, maybe a mile long or whatever maybe more than that but he's taken his bible and his scriptures and tracks and he's talking to the poor people that live by the railroad tracks all along this section and he sent me a picture sent everybody i feel like he sent it to me because i got it but anyway uh, there's a picture of him giving giving the gospel out to this poor family now that's going on. You didn't know about it. Isn't it. Amazing. It's going on right now. There's all over the world. God has a work that he's accomplishing. And then I think of Brother Lane down in Honduras. Uh, the man he's working for is Brother Tate. And he's been there. When I first came up here and I went and, and I preached at um, Faith Baptist Church, and then it was their custom to go out Sunday night to go to Dairy Queen. So we all went to Dairy Queen, and uh, Brother Tate was uh, already either going or just had gone to Honduras. And uh, his sister, I believe, um, was heading off to Bible college. But 
since that, that was 1996, um, 90, uh, 1996, and he's still in Honduras. And all this time he's been working. I, I, I haven't seen it, haven't been there. I, I don't know what all is happening. I see pictures and I hear reports. But that's just one thing. You realize how big the work of God is? How big it is all over the world? And yet we only have a little, uh, little vision of a little part of it. So pray for the lanes. Pray for the Russells and the Copiops in Papua New Guinea. Something's going on right now in Papua New Guinea. I got no idea what it is. But it's happening. People all over. You know what the Bible says? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So have faith in God. He's, he's got a whole entire universe out there that's pulsating with activity, and he's working in everyone's lives at the same time, and he's working in your life, and he's, uh, praise God, he's doing a great job with your life. You know, Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. You don't know what God's going to do. You have no idea what he's got planned. And it's so exciting just to get down and say, Lord, I know you. I know you have never let anybody down. You're still God. I'll never forget it. And I, I think I've, I've probably told you this before, but uh, I got laid off at the shipyard one time. And I think by that time, Juliana was born. And I was thinking, uh-oh, what am I going to do? i got to feed my family. I don't know what to do. I got my Bible. I went down to this really good breakfast restaurant. And uh, I sat at the, at the uh, counter. I ordered breakfast. And I got a cup of coffee. And I flopped my Bible out on the counter. And all I could think of was, I'm, I'm unemployed right now. I don't have a job. It was scary. But... A thought came to my heart, and I thought, you know what? I know that God didn't die. That's a kind of a simple, dumb th thought that maybe you already know that. But for me, I kept saying it to my heart, like, hey, wait, God didn't die. He's not dead. And I thought, he's got a plan for me. I don't know what it is yet. I don't care. He's not dead. God didn't die. And then I had the greatest uh, breakfast. It was great. I just, uh, I, I encouraged myself in the Lord and went home. And then I told my wife, um, I got the pink slip. <laughs> but boy, they had a big severance check. And uh, we took that check, went down to the grocery store, and we took two great big full heavy-duty baskets, and we filled both of them for the long haul. If I was getting laid off, at least we're going to get to eat a little bit. Uh, we took the whole, uh, we paid all the bills and, and uh, filled up the, the uh, uh, shopping carts with so much, just overflowing with groceries, took it all home, put it back. And uh, at that time, we only had three people eating at my house. Uh, how many say it needs, you need a little more faith if you're going to have 11 kids? Yeah. If children, I think the Bible says if children increase, no, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if, no, if, rich, if uh, riches increase, it, they increase it, eat them. <laughs> I, I'll get it. It's in Ecclesiastes. We just looked at it last week. But the Lord, the Lord knows that he's got a plan. He's working it out. 
Let's go to John 14, and we're going to finish up with this. And you know, these, these verses sometimes, we just skim over them. We forget to look at them. And we forget to lock them in and let them do the work that God said in Isaiah 55 that he was going to do. If you slow down a little bit, let the, let the word of God penetrate your heart for a minute and think about the truth here. Look at John 14, uh, verse 2 and 3, and we're going to finish here. It says, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to do what? Prepare a place, Prepare a place for you. There's preparation going on right now that you can't see. For 2,000 years, Jesus didn't say, uh, that's just going to make a small preparation. I believe he's in preparation to this day. Now, if it took the Lord six days to create the earth, what do you think he's got prepared for us after 2,000 years? I'd say it's over your head. <laughs> it's incomprehensible. You cannot comprehend it. It's so magnificent and so stupendous that he's been preparing a place for us. And he's preparing the city too. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, I believe with all my heart that even though I can't see what's going on all around me, I know God's doing great things. I know he's got America just completely in his hand. And he's, he's, he's not nervous. He's not, uh, he's not shocked. He, uh, he, he's, he's not surprised by anything. I love that statement. The old preacher said when I first got into church, he goes, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? I love that. Isn't that a great statement? Did anybody understand that? <laughs> has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to him? Nothing ever occurred to him? He's not shocked. He's got a plan and he's working it. And I can't wait to see what it is. Every day in the Christian life, we ought to remember, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But then it does say, but he has revealed some of it to us in that same chapter. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's thank God for that unending work, that unseen ongoing work of God I have much people in this city I saved 7,000 that haven't knee, uh, bowed their knee and uh, I think we'll let the tares and the wheat grow together I've got a plan let's stand together as Jeannie plays let's pray tonight that God would reveal how you and I would fit in his overall plan to be the salt of the earth, be the water of life, be the light that shines in a dark spot, giving the gospel, praying, having a part in the ministry of God. 
you know, some sometimes you might think that we don't get much done, but today and tomorrow, if you say Merry Christmas to somebody, that might shock people today because it's a it's a no-no to talk about Christ in public now. Can't even hardly can't even hardly say Merry Christmas anymore without shocking somebody. What would it be if we were to invite people to church, tell somebody that we love them, have somebody understand that if they're going through something that we can pray for them, give the gospel to a, a poor lost sinner. Oh, listen, God's not done. His work is ongoing, and if we just don't see it. Father, tonight, please help us to trust you with an with an ongoing, unseen work that you're doing, the hands that we can't see, and we know you're at work in our lives, Lord. I pray that you reveal yourself even more and more to our, our cold hearts sometimes. If we could just see you a little bit better and understand you a little bit deeper and trust you a little bit more, maybe, maybe get grace, the grace of God, that we might have some things revealed to us. Maybe we could understand better. Maybe we could see how you're working in our lives. If you'll do some of these things, Lord, we would thank you for it. But we have, we have this faith, Lord. We do believe that you're at work. And I pray that you'll reveal it to us day by day. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.